Welcome to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, an award-winning show dedicated to helping contractors generate more revenue, employ more people, and serve more customers. Powered by Rival Digital. Tune in each week to learn how other business owners and industry professionals across the country are staying ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. So, are you ready to dominate your marketing, get a grip on your operations, and build the business you've always dreamed of? Join your host, Eric Thomas, and get a fresh perspective on what it takes to create a world-class contracting business. The best idea wins. Now, here's Eric Thomas. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, where we believe the best idea wins, and we are here to help you generate lots of good ideas. And to do so, we have to bring on smart guests like my friend Tersh here, uh, who also has possibly the most impressive shoe collection I've ever seen in my life. We'll dig into that here in a minute as well. Uh, So we're going to generate some good ideas here, talk to smart people, uh, Tersh is a very smart person who I've had the the great pleasure of of hanging out with recently, more so uh, at some you know different conferences and events. So uh, really excited to dig in and uh, and see what Tersh has got to offer us. Tersh, how are you doing? Good, man. I really appreciate you inviting me to the show. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Uh, I got a couple podcasters here podcasting. These always go really well or terribly. <laughs> It really could go either direction, honestly. Yeah. yeah, at the Women in HVACR, we had uh, I had Evan and Thaddeus join me just like randomly, and um, it was unscripted, uncensored, and it was hilarious. So that yeah. episode will be airing soon, and it was uh, it was it was hilarious. So, anyways, Tersh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners who may not already know you, and kind of tell them you know who you are, what you do, what you got going on. Absolutely. So uh, I am father of four, um, married to a wonderful, wonderful woman that you uh, you met uh, at the Women in HVACR event. I'm sure uh, that, and that's uh, that's my main focus in life. Really, uh, I have two podcasts. I have a Service Business Mastery podcast, which is uh, one to help serve the industry, much much like yours, and. Um, then I have a podcast called Shop Small SAV, which is a uh, what I what I like to call a, like a micro in- influencer podcast. And that podcast is built for SEO, building SEO value um, for my HVAC company, my local HVAC company, which is Service Emperor. And then I have another HVAC company that's TriStar um, and an electrical company, uh, Five Star. But the TriStar and uh, Service Emperor both do plumbing as well. Uh, started out of high school, joined the Air Force, got out of the Air Force, and uh, went to work at a chemical plant for mechanical engineering. For mechanical engineering, hated working there. Got into the industry uh, within a couple of years. That was in 05. Within two years, I was um, <clears throat> the service manager, then general manager of a local HVAC company and we grew from one to $8 million in that, uh, in that company during the recession. And so then in 2012, I believe it was 12 or 13, I left that company and, 
uh, started my other, uh, started TriStar, which was my first HVAC and plumbing company. And uh, then started the podcast in 2017 and people were asking about how to start a business. And so I was like, you know what? I'm a glutton for punishment. Let me start another one. And that's whenever I uh, purchased a failing business, which I eventually rebranded and turned around called Service Emperor. And that business is 100% paperless and 100% remote. Uh, TriStar runs itself. There's, you know, managers and key, uh, key uh, employees in place there. And, but I haven't stepped foot in TriStar since 2020. Uh, I actually need to go back over there and I'm going to be right around the corner from there today. Actually, I might stop by there. And then uh, Service Emperor, I can run from anywhere. I, I'm uh, 60 miles outside of the service area for Service Emperor. So I did that on purpose just to make sure that I could run it from, uh, I didn't have to be there in the nitty gritty of the day to day to make sure that it worked. Yeah. How did some of your experiences in the Air Force uh, help you out as you you know got out to be a civilian and into the I guess business ownership side? You know that's a great question. The I would say the the willingness to get done what needs to be done no matter what. Uh, I was a TACP, which is a uh, we hold lasers for laser guided missiles, call in airstrikes. We're the people who actually are the communication between the ground and the, and the air. And so there were times there when you're put in situations where it's like, we just got to get it done or else people are going to die. So I feel like that's probably, that's how I run the business too. Uh, I was literally talking to someone yesterday and that's, I have a wartime mentality. I don't like to call it that now that I've, I've done studies on it with psychology and everything, but that's really what it is. As soon as things are going smooth, I get bored and I'm looking for the next thing to screw up or throw my feet into. And uh, I think that it comes from that. As soon as things are, are like rough and the proverbial proverbial shit's hitting the fan type thing, that's whenever I really shine. So uh, that's, that's probably what... The, the biggest thing that it taught for me taught me was that even if things are going bad, like you still have control over the situation. Yeah. Well, I've, I've found that, you know, for us at least when things get busy and they bend and break, that's when we make the most progress and become better as a company. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause if it's going, if everything's going, you know, perfectly smooth, then like, smooth smooth uh oceans never made great sailors yeah no exactly that's true i mean and i i guess like the the mindset of uh if i screw something up people are gonna die you know that (laughs) that that's a good that's a good mindset to have i mean it it could be you know a, a little bit you know much for daunting (laughs) daunting you know for running a you know a heating and air conditioning business but but in really reality this is is very similar what happens if you if you don't install a proper b-vent on a on a furnace yeah yeah and you know you don't hook up the gas valve properly gas leaks into the building and then all of a sudden an explosion and people die and um 
sure, it's not like that on every single day, but we can introduce carbon monoxide into homes. We can do all kinds of crazy things and um, introducing mold and, and the, or the environment for mold to, to flourish, you know, that's what yeah. we deal with every day. Now, speaking of, uh, you know, of carbon monoxide and gas, you know, that is, uh, something that I think I've told the story before when I moved back home to Virginia, uh, they were paying people to convert to natural gas. And now this was four years ago. And now they're like, Hey, if you, convert your your home or you know do upgrades to your home that switch to electric you'll get a, mm -hmm. a rebate or a tax credit or something uh, so what are your thoughts on the gas versus electric movement well you're asking someone who lives in savannah georgia and we're 80 percent heat pumps um the i my first house was was built in 1932 i bought it when i was 18 years old and it had a gas furnace in it. That was the first gas appliance I'd ever had in my life. And the first time I dealt with it. Whenever I remodeled that house, I put a gas furnace back in, but I put a heat pump outside. Uh, so I put a dual fuel system in the house. And that was, I mean, that the heat from a gas furnace was great when it came on for the two weeks that we have cold weather in Savannah. Yeah. Uh but was it worth it to me? No. The 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 uptick for me was the fact that during that particular time I got a like a $600 credit for having the gas the dual fuel system. So that paid for it and my gas bill was like 20 bucks every month. So it wasn't I, I don't know if it was worth it. I probably wouldn't do it again. Um the heat that comes from a gas furnace is great, except but here in Savannah, it doesn't get that cold very often. Mm -hmm. Like right now, we've, we're having our first real cold front, and it's the lows are like in the 50s. And so it, heat pumps do just fine here. And we're getting, we're seeing, especially coming into 2023, that there's um, so many great rebates for, um, heat pumps and their instant rebates federal rebates so like it's kind of a no-brainer if you can do heat pumps i would do a heat pump all day long yeah yeah now if you're if you're born and raised used to a gas furnace a heat pump's never going to put out the same amount of heat so <laughs> yeah that's what i've got as a as a furnace a gas furnace and that thing will dry us out it is like that's, too, that's a good point too yeah, because we and I live I live a little bit farther north of you in Virginia Beach, and it's it's forty five here with a low of fifty. And uh, I'm sorry, today we have a low of thirty two. Wow, I don't see that. <laughs> but um, yeah. you know we 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 tend we tend to get relatively mild winters, and when I put that furnace on, man, is like oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's that's the other downside to furnaces is you can uh live somewhere where it's where it's so humid and then get nosebleeds because yeah. your furnace has done dried you out completely yeah because it, it was we turned it on for the first time this week and we let it run overnight 
And that next morning I woke up and I sounded like that TikTok where the guy's like, <laughs> why is it spicy? Like my throat, <laughs> I had to like drink like a gallon of water that morning. I was like, Oh yeah. gosh, I felt like I was parched. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm naturally that way. Like I, my allergies are always screwed up this time of year. Uh, I'm sniffling now, but so I don't know. That's, that's a give and take for sure. I, I don't know that it's, I'm probably not the best person to ask about that because I have some friends who are really big into the sciences like Bill Spone. He actually just built an all electric house that's like off the grid. Um, and it's a, like a massive house that is solar powered and he lives up north in, in northern uh, Ohio and where it snows. So he's kind of like proven the fact that you can run a heat pump in the snow type scenario and so like he he knows a lot more about all that good jazz than i do i know just enough to be dangerous with it yeah yeah i'm i'm curious to see what the whole like electric electrification thing looks like here in the next few years with solar and well not only that the grid how is the grid going to be able to handle it we're already you know converting everything over to electric in california and then being told not to plug your electric car in at night. So it's like, hmm, that's going to work really good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. So would you, uh, you know, for the contracting side, do you recommend contractors to kind of stick? I mean, if they're in an area that's got a lot of gas furnaces and stuff, do you recommend for them to maybe look into, you know, electric systems and stuff like that or no yeah i mean it the, especially if there's rebates to the client so if the client can get a rebate from it and they're okay with it now if 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 they're an elderly person and they've had gas their entire life and you try and convert them to a, an electric system they're gonna hate you so i probably wouldn't do that um because they're it's already they're already going to be uncomfortable during the winter because of just naturally because of their being elderly so if you convert them over to a heat pump, they're not going to be happy at all. My yeah. grandma, we just changed out her her system. It finally died. That thing was as old as I am. It was built in 1983. And she, uh, we almost, we went back with a heat pump, but we put a furnace back in too because like she would have murdered me in my sleep if she, because her entire life she's lived in the same house pretty much and has had this gas furnace in her house and if we would have gone back with a heat pump she would have called me up i'd get a phone call right now with it being 50 degrees outside asking me why her heater is not putting out hot air yeah so. yeah it's interesting you mentioned like that the that heater is as old as you are um obviously i i think you know most people would agree that the way things were manufactured probably lasted a little bit longer back in the day Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so we have a client that we're running a, a a campaign. It's a giveaway. It's called like Hope for the Holidays or something, where you can yeah. nominate you know a family or a friend in need that needs a new heater or furnace or something. And part of that is um, you know to submit a photo of it just for the you know the contractor to know where it's at, what it looks like, what they're working with, and also because it had to be like at least eighty percent gas or ninety percent of love, whatever. And um, some of these photos that we've seen come through. I mean, these things had to have been like, I mean, we're talking yeah. about like from the 30s and the 40s. Yeah. It looks like just old, like newspaper room boilers or something. 
Yeah. And the scary part is, is some of those are just pumping carbon monoxide into the house. Uh, then on the other hand, you have some of those systems that are just rocking and rolling. And the moment you take it out and put something else in, it's like, all right, here we have to go replacing this one every couple of years. Now it feels like versus this other one that you never had to touch, uh, for an entire lifetime. And, uh, it, you're right. The materials are completely different. You take one out and the installers will tell you they're completely different because it weighs a gazillion tons versus what you got now is like, you could just toss it on your back and put it in there. Yeah. Like, especially like old, like boilers. Yeah. Like those things, you have to get a, a forklift. Yeah. We, we don't deal with a whole lot of boilers here, but uh, we've got it. We've had to work on a couple of them and those things are just massive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, so you mentioned uh, that you've got, obviously you've got your service business mastery, which I'm, I'm certain that many of our listeners know of yeah. and listen to. Uh, I think it's a great show. Um, but something that you also said that really stood out to me was your, your other podcast, the shop small Savannah or SAV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, cause we're friends on Facebook that I've just been like beating this drum about podcasting for the past yeah. you know six seven months because i think there's been like a mindset belief you know for b2c companies that podcasting isn't for them because a lot of times yeah. podcasting is more of a b2b thing yep. um but i've been saying like you know there there is room to podcast in the b2c space exactly how you're doing it you know bring on uh, leaders in the community, local businesses yep. talk about the community, stuff like that. And then it positions your company as the local thought leader and yourself. So what's been kind of some of the result of that? And do you recommend contractors to look into podcasting? Yeah. Podcasting is going to be the new blogging. There's, there's, I don't remember the exact statistic. I should have looked it up before coming on the show. Uh, but I was at Podfest in Orlando I uh, believe it was the beginning of this year. I think, yeah, March is when they have it every year. <clears throat> At that event, they mentioned the fact that there's X number of YouTube videos uploaded every minute. There's X number of blog posts being put out every single day. But the amount of podcasting is minute compared to all that. It seems like podcasting is very... What's the best way to say? <clears throat> it's very uh, diluted or it's very much like everybody's doing podcasting. Yeah, sure. I get that. The noisy people are definitely we're out there. We're we're loudmouths. Uh, so you, it it seems like it's taken up. But in reality, it's not you, the blogging is going to kind of go away in my opinion and it's going to be replaced by podcasting even if it's the podcast that's converted into a blog and yeah. which that's with service business mastery we've really done a great job with doing that and i'm going to take the same team that does the service business mastery one and do the service emperor uh, blog and converting it from a 30 minute conversation to a 2,500 word blog post with a transcription down below, which is usually about five to 10,000 words. So you could potentially sit there and have a 13,000 word blog post that's created from a 30 minute conversation with another business owner. And that's some long form, real conversation. Yeah. 
content that Google can search. And if you have that audio or and video embedded in that same post, then it's there. And it's, I mean, that's gold for your website. And not only that, you send those links out to the business owner that you're talking to and it's, and they are sharing those links on their sites. Now you have backlinks to all your local competitors. I mean, not your local competitors, your, your local businesses in your area. And so then, you know, you know how Google works more so than I do, but that seems like a good thing to have. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm you, you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, in my opinion there with the transcription, that's something that we haven't really dabbled into much. Um, Descript. Download Descript, a, pro a program called Descript. It literally, there's a button in the Descript that says remove filler words. So all of your ums and ands and your coughs like I just did, hit that one button, it removes all of them instantly. It's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then you hit another button and it downloads the transcription. Boom. Wow. There's your 10,000 words. You put them on the website. It's like yeah. a five minute long process that used to take me in 2017 and 18. It'd take me three or four hours to do the same thing that takes less than five minutes. So, wow. Yeah. Cause like we, we've, we've tried like five or before where we would say like, all right, here's five episodes, go make it happen. And, I'm I'm and certain five hundred dollars later, six hundred dollars later, it's like, uh, I don't yeah. know if that was a waste of money or not. Yeah, like they were doing pretty much the same thing. It seemed like they would, you know, they'd come back to us pretty quickly and be like, "Here it is." And I'm like, "Wow, that was that was quick <laughs> and that was expensive." Oh, yeah. Like they, I had known like they've got to be using some type of tool. But yeah, like if you, you know, Streamyard or Zoom or whatever you're using, take that, upload it to YouTube. The beauty of Streamyard is you can send it straight to YouTube and. Yeah. Like you got it there already. Um, yeah, the embedded YouTube link, which YouTube is owned by Google. So there you exactly. go. Audio <laughs> exactly. embed. And and also like what this does is it gives the person options too for consuming your content because some people like to read, some people like to listen, some people yeah. like to, to watch, you know, my ugly mug on here. Uh, you know, I definitely have a face for radio. Like my mom's told me that my entire life, so. So you're, yeah, you're getting the words, you're getting the backlinks, which is huge. And and when with podcasting, a lot of people don't realize this, but like if you can have your description, you know, with the internal links that you want and the links you want going to the certain pages, um, when you upload that to your streaming, you know, service like Podbean or whoever you use, and that goes out to Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, all these places, you're going to be generating more links to your site. And some of those platforms are do follow, which we're getting super technical SEO here. Um, you know, do follow link is like what you want. And yeah. so you're going to be getting backlinks just by submitting a podcast in the world. Yeah. And that's, it, it's crazy whenever you're looking at competitors and you're trying to figure out how their website ranks so well and why is mine not ranking very well. One of the low hanging fruits is backlinks. And good backlinks, not just them garbage ones that some random spammer says, I'll give you 500 backlinks for $100. And then all of a sudden you're like black hat, all this nonsense. Uh, it, if you're doing it the right way and you, you need some backlinks that are good backlinks, strong ones, then that's definitely one of the best ways to do it for sure. 
Yeah. So if a contractor was wanting to start a podcast, what, like, what's some advice you would give them, like tools they'll need, different processes they make? Don't get overwhelmed. Don't, don't let it, the process overwhelm you. If you look at like mine and your setup, uh, it can be very overwhelming. If you see my setup at like a, a live event that we're at and you're, you see like a roadcaster, big old mixing board set up or a microphone, like all these microphones set up with all these cords and cables and cameras and everything else. Like that's not what you need to start off with. Like just get you some, some microphones, a way to record the microphone, you know, to record the audio and get started with it. And if you enjoy it, it'll snowball into something like what we have. Um, but if you, if it's just like something that you're doing, you don't have to spend a, a million dollars to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our podcast, I think I, I went on Amazon and I bought like a starter podcasting kit. It was 70 bucks, which gave me a microphone, a USB microphone that went straight into the computer. Yeah. Uh, some headphones and then I wouldn't use like a free maybe I used the paid version of zoom to start so like 15 bucks a month just yep. so I could record it and save the recording and um, I was recording a podcast the next day yeah it's, <laughs> it's just that simple the audio people will be turned off by bad audio so make sure that you your audio is good um, if if it's the environment if your microphone's not an expensive microphone make sure you're in a quiet area because uh, uh, there's goods and bad sides of getting a, an inexpensive microphone. It's going to pick up everything in the background mm -hmm. and you'll need to be able to edit that out, which is a Royal pain or spend a little extra money on a nice microphone to start with uh, or record in an area that's very quiet and, and empty is not quiet. An empty room is not a quiet room. That's an echoey room, and that's horrible to get rid of in post-production. Yeah. So a closet is better than an empty room. Yeah. Now, like before I got this set up, I had a, a condenser mic, and that thing would pick up a heartbeat from like three rooms away. And <laughs> that's why uh, back here I've got like this sound panel that I made, which I just bought the foam from like uh -huh. Amazon, and then I went to Home Depot and just got like, you know, pieces of like two by four and just like glued it on and just like all over the wall here. Cause I mean, it was picking up everything. Like it was picking up my breath. It was picking up yep. like so much crap and we were having to edit and edit and edit forever. And that just takes so long. It, it, it gets to the point to where you're like, okay, we need to re re record this episode because I just, I'm spending hours and hours uh, editing a 30 minute episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to start a podcast, I've talked to, I don't know, probably four or five people in my DMs on Facebook who have seen, you know, my, my aggressive tendencies to promote starting a podcast and have quietly asked me, you know, I, I want to start this and do it. I, I think it's, it's worth at least looking into, you know, yeah. for, for your business. Um, it, it's really as simple as interview your team members ask them why they choose to work for you interview the person that owns the local coffee shop interview yeah the person running it's a bit it builds the relationship referral marketing is the best marketing there is yeah. and that that builds your referral network because yeah. you're interviewing them you're giving them 
evergreen content that they can then use forever. And then when they're th- when somebody asks about an air conditioned plumbing electrical company that that needs they they are looking for it, that person who owns the business, who's a respectable person in their circle, says, "Hey, call Tersh at Service Emperor because you know." He interviewed me. We had a great conversation. We built rapport. And I really think that he's a good person and I trust him to do the right thing. Yeah. Then that that carries a ton of weight when it comes to uh, that referral. It's it is a lot of work. It's not going to be something that you're just going to do it and then set it and forget it and it be done magically. It, it takes some effort, but so does creating blog posts and getting your photos for your website and those other things you know, sometimes feel like nuanced things, but once you get them done, it's the results start compound. It's a compound effect where they just really start to build on top of each other. Well, and and like, I mean, people still do this, but I'd say probably, you know, five, 10 years ago, the alternate to doing what we're doing right now would be guest posting on someone else's website. Yeah. like someone recently was like, Hey, we got guest posting opportunities. It's a great way to, you know, share your experience and authority. And I was like, Oh, cool. Yeah. I would love to write an article for your site. They're like, great. Here's a 10 page packet. It has to be an AP style. It's got to be no less than 1500 words. You can't do this, 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 and yep. this. I'm like, man, screw that. Why don't y'all just come on my podcast and we'll just talk then, or I'll come onto your podcast and we'll just talk. Exactly. And that's, it, it becomes so simple. Uh, whenever I first started doing the podcasting in 2017, it was not easy to do because that was the new thing. It was okay to do in person, really hard to do what we're doing right now. There wasn't really a streaming service out there yet. Uh, we went through Zencaster and the audio, sometimes the audios wouldn't match. So then you'd have to like figure out where the audio broke apart and, and, fix that back because our words would start overlapping each other and it was crazy. So, but now it's just, it's too simple not to just get you a zoom account and get on. I mean, zoom takes up a lot of bandwidth. Don't get me wrong, but if you're just starting out, zoom's amazing thing to, to start out with an ATR 2100 is a 75, $95 microphone, a USB microphone that has a head headphone input jack amazing sound quality i used the atr 2100 for years before i finally went to the sure microphone yeah yep no i'm i'm with you i've recently well because the women in hvacr event it kind of forced me to like upgrade what i had because i just had a usb mic and i was like i can't record live with two usb mics i mean i could but there would be we'd You'd have to be in a really quiet room yeah and so I finally upgraded and even like I got the, it was a bundle I got off of, I think guitar center or musician's friend, which is uh-huh. guitar center. Um, the roadcaster with the two microphones, the two headphones, it comes with the USB card. It comes with the stands for the microphones. It was like 800 bucks, which yeah. sounds like a lot, but the capabilities that we've been able to do now, it's cut down our post-production time, which saves us time, which actually makes us more money. Exactly. Man hours. And, and so it was kind of worth it, but it wasn't, obviously I wouldn't have started with this. Yeah. Especially if you're not sure if you want to do it long-term. The ATR 2100 is a nice USB microphone because it's not a condenser mic. It's dynamic. And so it doesn't pick up all the background noises like your Yetis and stuff like that. 
but uh, it's still, you know, it still does really good sound quality. And for the bang for the buck, the ATR2100 is a no brainer because it's, it's a USB or XLR cable. So like when you start to upgrade your equipment to, to like a roadcaster, you can go, you can move over to the XLR cable uh, from that USB cable, which is a really cool thing too. Yeah. Well, there, there's, there's one more topic I want to hit on yeah. um, before we start wrapping up here. Uh, and this is something that I'm really interested to hear your take on because I heard, uh, I'm not going to mention their name, but we were chatting at a local event and he was like, man, or a trade show. And he was like, I think the trade show scene and the conference scene is dying. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you got all these Facebook groups where you can go ask a question at any point in time and get 20 different perspectives. There's, I mean, there's at least 15 to 20 good podcasts out there for sales, marketing, operations, uh, technical side, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so all this information is like right at our fingertips now, whereas yep. you know, it used to be you'd have to take a week off from business, fly mm-hmm. to Atlanta or wherever, and go attend these little workshop classes. So do you believe that like trade shows and like industry events are dying? And if so, what do you think could take, what would it take for them to kind of pick back up? The traditional trade shows are dying. Yeah. I could definitely agree with that comment because based on exactly what that person mentioned, going to the women in HVACR conference. Nah, that one's, that one's booming. That one's growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah. And it's the networking aspect of it. If you're only going there to check out the newest and greatest equipment, if you're the type of person that has to put your hands on something that's about to come out, then yeah, trade shows are definitely going to be your your thing. The AHR Expo where all everything is going to be there, that one will that I don't think that one will ever die because everybody is there Mm -hmm. and that's how you even meet people in the industry that you don't have access to unless you go to those types of events we went to an event not too long ago and there were definitely more vendors than there were contractors at at the trade show and that was a huge like red flag for me but I still treat them like networking. They're networking a hundred percent for me. So like if you're there to, to learn more about different people, meet people, rub shoulders with industry giants, the trade shows are where it's going to be because there's people that are silent in those Facebook groups that are vocal at the trade shows. And you, you meet those people. I, heck I met someone at, I was at service world expo and I met a guy and we had a two and a half hour long conversation yesterday about just, I mean, stuff that I had no idea. This guy had the background that he had and I never would have met him. He's in all the Facebook groups, but he never comments. He never posts. He was like, yeah, I do that on purpose. I'm just checking things out, but I never would have met him and developed a relationship with him had I not gone to the Service World Expo event. Yeah. I, I feel like there's so many events and they each offer value in their own ways. Yeah. I, I agree with you on the networking thing. Like I always tell our team when we go to these things, like the actual like expo hours when we're at the table 
is literally we're just there because that's what we that's the ticket we have to pay the price we have to pay to be there yeah um, and it's a branding and visibility thing like people are kind of walking around they see the logo and they're like whatever where all the value is in that is between 6 p.m and about 11 p.m when you're yeah. at the bar and the hotel lobby or you're at the you know after hours mingling event yep. that's where i mean my goal at all those things is like if i if i'm going to this after party thing i'm leaving here with five podcast guests booked exactly the the hardest thing is like oh man it's been a long day on the showroom floor i'm exhausted i don't know if i should really go to this after hours event it's really not my scene but then you go to it and you you meet all these people and they're not in the same element so they're they'll almost talk more and they'll talk differently and it's like okay so you're actually a real person you're not just a salesperson for this x y and z company and then it it that's when you start developing relationships that's definitely i'm not ever gonna say and advocate for skipping the morning sessions at a trade show but i'm definitely a nighttime person and i would almost feel like i would rather go to those nighttime events and meet people and hang out than uh, worry about being the first person in line the next morning. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of like what I'm curious to see what will change in the future with these events is like the, the workshops and the breakout sessions, will they continue to be the same old song and dance where it's like, all right, right. There's, there's networking and coffee from seven 30 to nine that, you know, 20 people show up to. And then there's from nine until one, two o'clock there's, you're going to hear the same people talk about building a culture and know your numbers and all this stuff. (laughs) So like, do you, where do you feel there's an opportunity for some of those aspects of the events to get better? It's tough because those things are needed also because like when you have Ruth King on our podcast, she talks a lot about numbers, knowing your numbers and all that. And but it's different whenever you have Ruth King sitting in front of you and she says something and you throw your hand up and you're like, Hey, wait a minute. I need, I have a question about that. What you just said, I need any clarification on that or being able to pull her to the side after, after she has done talking and saying, so you mentioned X, Y, and Z. Can you go into more detail about that? That until we have more interaction with podcasting, I, I think that it's going to stay that way it is, the way it is because of people just needing to have that ability to ask the questions one-on-one. Yeah. yeah. That's why I think that like a work, like workshop style mm-hmm. sessions at those events are really, those are my, those are always my favorite where it's like, you know, we've got like service world expo did this this year and I'm not sure if they did it last year or not, but they were like, all right, you got four workshops in the afternoon and you show up to the workshop and they're like, here is a, a booklet or a packet and like you pick out the workshop that makes sense for you. If it is about Mm -hmm. budgeting or if it's about marketing and it's like a, it's a booklet and it's like, all right, we're going to work on this together. Like we're actually going to work on it, not just listen and go home and do nothing. Um, I think those are, those are probably my favorite. Those are good. That's like the interaction that you have with those types, those styles of, of workshops. The, I'm I'm kind of like you. It's it's an oxygen moron for me. Like listening to someone talk, even though I do podcasting, 
listening to someone just talk, I don't really gain a whole, whole lot out of it. Yeah. Um, if I have to take notes while I'm doing it, like in a workshop, then it's like, okay, that's how I, that's how I keep the knowledge that I'm uh, listening. So yeah, I I'm definitely with you, but I'm also not a morning person. If you talk to me about something before nine o'clock in the morning, there's a, there's not like a 99% chance that I'm not going to be able to regurgitate it. There's like a thousand percent chance that I'm not going to regurgitate the information that you're telling me because it, it's like, mm -mm, nope, my wall is up that early in the morning. So uh, I'll network with someone in, first thing in the morning and you can tell like my eyes are still just blah and I'm having a conversation with them and then I see them later in the day and I'm in my circadian rhythm like because are you familiar with circadian rhythm throughout the day you're you're naturally going to have times when you're more creative and you're more analytical and you're going to be more bubbly during certain times of the day that's just your it's called your natural circadian rhythm my circadian rhythm kicks in about from 1 to 4 p.m that's when i'm absolutely the most productive and that's when i'm absolutely the best person to talk to um if i now i i can talk to you at other times of the day and be fine but if you catch me between that like really it's about noon 11 till uh 4 p.m those like that's when we're i'll re retain all of that information now i'm very very analytical and productive as far as arcs go uh after 4 p.m so from four till about nine uh eight to nine that's whenever i can that's when i produce my podcast that's whenever i'm editing things and i can just whip it right out um but during the middle of the day if we have a conversation i'll remember that forever mm -hmm. but if it's outside of that window there's a strong possibility that we're gonna have to repeat the conversation again because i don't even remember who you are if you're if it's before 10 o'clock in the morning well for those listening, uh, this is a Wednesday, probably for you somewhere in the world, but it's a Thursday and we started at 930. So, Tersh, I, I appreciate you going against the grain of your own <laughs> circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythm, yeah. Yeah. So, and Tersh got his hair cut for this. I did. I get my hair did. Yep. Looks really nice. Uh, <laughs> all right, Tersh, as we wrap up, uh, last tip before we dip. If you had to start it all over again and create a new heating and air conditioning business, what's the first thing you would do? Ooh. That is a really good question because I have redone it. And I don't know that I don't know if I did it the right way or not. I'd like to say that I did. I brought on a technician. So I wasn't in the van from day one. So I, I had I, I interviewed and, and brought on a good guy that could do things that I would would have had to do out in the field, almost like a service manager, but he was the first guy in the truck. I think that I'd probably do the same thing. It's tough because when you're starting a business, 
there's not one thing that you have to do. There's a gazillion things that you have to do at the exact same time. And in order to have a successful business. But one of the biggest things was I with service emperor, I didn't want to be in the truck. I didn't want to have to battle getting out of a truck. And so I, I brought on a technician first thing. Yeah. I, I like that advice. Cause that's something that so many people struggle with is getting themselves out of the truck and out of the yeah. crawl space. And so, uh, and it, it's scary though. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's your someone's livelihood is dependent on that. And you may not, when you're first starting off, have that yeah. predictable revenue stream. But that goes back to wartime leadership, I guess, for me. Yeah. Well, in that, yeah. So, like, that's that's actually something that I've kind of noticed even with, with our company. Like, when we first started the whole first year, I was doing all the operations and fulfillment. I was essentially in the truck for a marketing company, building websites, yep. doing ads, SEO, writing. And I was like, man, we are growing so slow. Well, that's because like I was doing all the work and with what time I had left, it's like, okay, I yep. can focus over here. Um, exactly. It wasn't, it wasn't until we hired people to do the work where I'm like, all right, cool. I'm no longer doing that. Now I've got two extra hours to focus on this. Um, yep. Exactly. It, the only thing that I would really uh, caution someone on if they do exactly what you just mentioned where you're hiring someone and now they're doing it and I don't have to focus on it is delegation, but not abdication. Like don't delegate by abdication. Don't just delegate it and forget about it. Make sure that you have a way of tracking what it is that you're delegating to those other individuals. Otherwise you're going to end up in a whole whirlwind of bad news. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Tersh, uh, before we go, usually I ask people uh, how they can get a hold of you, but in this instance, I'd like for you to be able to promote your podcast. So uh, tell the listeners a little bit more about the podcast, how they can listen, get plugged in. I appreciate it. Yeah. Servicebusinessmastery.com is our website. Uh, Service Business Mastery on YouTube. We were trying to grow our YouTube audience and then on all the podcast catchers at Service Business Mastery. If you want to get in touch with me personally, just click Tersh. T-E-R-S-H in Google. And I'm like the first three pages. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Well, Tersh, thank you so much for, for joining me on the podcast this morning. And um, I hope to talk to you soon, man. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, powered by Rival Digital, helping business owners and industry professionals across the country stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. We hope you learned something from this week's episode. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast.